0: Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now, here is today's podcast. Well, welcome everyone to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller. And I'm so thankful and excited to bring to you today a good friend of mine. His name is Ryan Thomas. Ryan and I met during the Pensacola revival over 20 years ago. And Ryan has been a missionary in Mexico and more recently in Spain. And so, Ryan, would you just greet everybody today?
1: Yeah. Hey, awesome to be here. Awesome to see you again, Eric. And just excited about what God is doing in the earth. And want to be a part of it and want everyone to to step into what God has for them. So I'm happy to be here with you.
0: Come on, man. That's awesome. You know, Ryan and I met at Brownsville. I think we really met on a missions trip to Mexico.
1: Yeah, my parents were missionaries to Mexico. So when I was five years old, we left a small little town in Oregon where my dad was pastoring and went to Mexico City. So it was like going to a different planet. And then that's where I grew up was in Mexico City.
0: Wow. So you grew up on the mission field. You grew up seeing the spirit of God move. This was a part of your DNA. What drew you to come to Pensacola?
1: Actually, when I was a teenager. So when I was young, I saw amazing things. It was awesome. My dad was a church planner. So it was normal seeing demon possessed people getting set free, people filled with the spirit. But when I was a teenager, I really turned my back on God. Wow. And really veered away to the point where I became suicidal. I've actually vowed I would never step foot in a church again. Um, And my life just went from bad to worse. When I was 18 years old, I had this experience with the Holy Spirit in a friend's kitchen. Wow. And, you know, I'd heard a little bit of something happening in Toronto. Well, I ended up on the ground, shaking, laughing. God just rocked me. Well, shortly after, end up in Oregon. And I didn't know the pastor had just been to Pensacola and I was still very on the fringe. I didn't, I still was had my issues with church and I showed up and I see people falling all over the place. It, it was what happened to me in the kitchen. Wow! And then God touched me at that church, which they had a close connection with Pensacola. And that's how that connection happened. So,
0: yeah, Oh, wow, that's amazing. I heard somebody say, and you've probably heard this before that the fruit of any real revival is its missions movement. Yeah, And I really believe that there have been many moves of God, many visitations, but the Lord really habitated in Pensacola for about five years and just drew people from all the different corners of the world and from different experiences. Some of them grew up in church, You know, we heard lots of testimonies. I knew Jesus uh, growing up, but I'd never surrendered my life to him. You know, I I grew up in religion, but didn't have relationship and other people who came off. I was a crack cocaine addict or an alcoholic for 40 years and radically set free. So we're hearing this all the time. And it was supernatural to hear the water baptisms every Friday night, you know, to just see the people going after God. But one of the most amazing things that I think you and I have gotten to see is the longevity of what God's done.
1: Like around
0: the world, you and I have friends and we are a part of the fruit of that revival that have gone around the world. How did personal revival and that corporate revival, how did that affect your mission's calling?
1: I still had this issue with church. I was very bitter. I began to really fall in love with Jesus, and yet I didn't want anything to do with his bride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with the church, wow. much less be called into ministry, much less missions. At that church in Oregon, which was experiencing, we ended up having several from Pensacola visit At almost every altar call. I mean, I'm giving my heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and then immediately I would have visions of people from different countries and me speaking wow. in different places. I remember when I finally did go to Pensacola, one of the first gatherings that I was there during the prayer time, I didn't even know who it was that prayed for me. I ended up on the ground and I'm laying on the ground and I thought I was actually speaking in tongues. And all of a sudden I heard myself and I was speaking in Spanish and I was wow. saying, predicaré en el nombre de Jesús y sanaré en el nombre de Jesús, which means I will preach in the name of Jesus and I will heal in the name of Jesus. And wow. I was saying that over and over again. I mean I'd sit there and I'd be like, now this is awesome. And yet I don't want this, but I know it's what God has for me. And so I couldn't get away with it. I would tell people all the time, the calling keeps calling. Every missionary I'd hear that would come through, I would end up just in a puddle of tears. You know, it was just, man, I'm I'm dead meat for this. Like I, I gotta stop running from this. So it was just over and over and over again.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And it's so encouraging, you know, that maybe there's parents that are listening whose kids grew up on the mission field or grew up in church and they're thinking, you know, my son, my daughter, we know they have a calling upon their life and they've been running from God. I hope you're hearing Ryan's testimony today, because when you hear the things of how God has used their family and the vision that's in their heart, friend, I'm just going to tell you, it's spectacular To see the Lord change somebody, as Ryan said, whose heart was, I don't want nothing to do with the bride, but yet the Lord radically changed his life. You know, so you and I met, I think it was September of 99. There was a missions trip from the School of Ministry, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry to Mexico. And I think it was almost like a two week trip. We had a huge team. I think, was there like 20 people on the team, maybe?
1: Yeah. And I think we went to like even two separate areas. I remember that.
0: We went to Guadalajara Mm -hmm. and then another area. Do you remember the name of it?
1: I don't I think it was down by Ajijic or something like that.
0: Okay. Um, And so
1: I remember, yeah, it was a big team. We worked with Sion Church, one group did. And then, yeah, it was a a kind of a mix. Yep.
0: It was spectacular. And it was my first missions trip. I had never done anything like that. And we had a spectacular team, but like, I'm watching you interpret and preach messages in (laughs) Spanish and I'm going, "Whoa, who's this dude? He don't look Mexican at all. (laughs) And I'm, you know, my mind about missions was I didn't have the experience, you know, I didn't grow up in those things, but I'm looking at it going, wow, this is really spectacular. Even though you, you had that prodigal time in your life. How has what you saw your parents pour into your life and what you experienced, how did that help bring you back to fulfill the calling upon your life?
1: I, I think the number one thing that my parents, that I always saw, I knew they were the real deal. I would hear my parents praying for me and not just like little simple prayers. I mean, interceding for me. And it, at that period in my life, it would make me mad. You know, I'm like, hey, dude, <laughs> stop, like stop. I, I would just, I couldn't be happy as a Christian, because I wasn't good at doing that. And then I couldn't be happy as a sinner because they wouldn't stop praying for me. Um, but I saw my parents live this out. I saw my parents, you know, they weren't hypocrites. What, what They wow. were at home, they were, were there. And so their prayer life really impacted me. I knew that they knew Jesus. So that was the number one thing. And then again, just things from my childhood that I experienced that I knew, I, I couldn't deny that that was real. I saw people healed, completely delivered. I saw you know, we, my dad would do like the tent crusades. And so we'd see the drunk guy come in and then he goes out completely sober, filled with the spirit saved, you know? And so you'd see those things Yeah, and that did stick with me. I had just gotten into this thing where I thought I just couldn't do it. You know, I, I couldn't be a good Christian. And so I got all wrapped up in that, but no, my parents, they instilled things in me that even though I strayed for that time, they even knew they were certain they knew from when I was a young kid that, Hey, you have a call in your life. You know, just seeing that consistency with them definitely was what kept me on that path.
0: Wow. That's, that's so encouraging, you know, because sometimes we tend to think that, you know, we look at families who are maybe pastoring in a church or a missionary family. And we think, you know, they're perfect. You know, they're, they're, they've never been. Pretty had a close, problem. but not there yet. <laughs> right. In case anybody wonders, Ryan and I have the, what we call the 10th gift of the spirit, which is sarcasm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're totally joking, but we have a lot of fun when we talk to each other. But I think, Brian, there's a lot of uh, people out there who are listening. Again, even parents who are probably feeling really encouraged to know that. We did everything we possibly could, and we're not perfect, but we know without a shadow of a doubt that God told us our son or daughter has this call upon their life. Yeah. Just to hear you say that probably releases people from a lot of shame and guilt and condemnation and feeling like they have to go back and fix things. I'm sure your parents now just communicate all the time how proud they are of you. Have you been able to do things together with them or what are they saying about your life now?
1: It's cool. It's, it's been an awesome journey because my dad ended up working kind of throughout Latin America and he's just someone I can always talk to. You know, my mom and my dad talked to about, you know, what God's doing, what, how do I handle this? You know, you realize he's been there, done that he's dealt with stuff, you know, on the mission field. And so no, now it's, it's interesting, the different dynamic, the different relationship you know, we're, my parents are back in the U S they're working with a church still. I don't think my dad will ever retire. (laughs) Um, but then we're on the mission field. And so that different dynamic, they're just encouragers, cheerleaders, they're just such a huge part of our lives.
0: You know there's so much talk nowadays about spiritual fathers and mothers, mentors yeah. and things like that. And I absolutely believe that there's other people outside of our parents that actually pour into our lives and yeah. can become like those figures to us. But there's never a replacement for our parents. Exactly. You know, we are just getting over uh, two, three days ago now, what if whatever it is that uh, Roe versus Wade, uh, yeah. Was just overturned. And thank God that there is some type of breakthrough. Now it's up to the states to declare if they're going to support abortion or not. But there's an open window and there's yeah. hope for America. But one of my concerns is as we're seeing that breakthrough, that we need a tremendous breakthrough in families and marriages.
1: Yes. You know, yeah. so that
0: we can raise our children with godly values and biblical uh, morals so that when they do get old, they don't depart from it. You guys are out there on the mission field. You're serving. How long were you guys in Mexico?
1: Eight years. Wow. And then we've been in Spain about three years now.
0: What did you see God do there? What kind of work were you guys doing in Mexico?
1: So in Mexico, it started out, I we did a lot of youth stuff youth evangelism we'd go into schools and do evangelism we had a ministry that did that we ended up working also at a university campus you know mainly all evangelism outreach towards the end we got involved in church planting that's something i never thought i'd do but just wow. loved it And so that combination of evangelism and church planting that was those were the things that we were involved in and just saw god do awesome stuff man I it's love amazing mexico. do you
0: have any testimonies that kind of really stick out to you from mexico actually the
1: ministry my parents started was a medical ministry. Wow. And I worked with that for a while. And there was one little village we went to, uh, the church I was working with, they were just in revival through Pensacola. The, the pastor just got rocked. And, and so we're doing this medical team, but then every night we'd have a service. And so I remember this one night, you know, it's poor church dirt floor. Uh, this guy was giving a testimony at the end and it was one of those odd moments where he's just kind of rambling, he's holding the mic and you kind of wish you wouldn't have given him the mic, you know, (laughs) And and the youth pastors like, and there's something wrong with him. He's like, we need to pray for him right now. I'm like, dude, he's talking. Like, let's just chill a little bit. So he just walks right up to him and takes the mic from him. And he's like, Hey, uh, you got an issue in your life, your stronghold, and and Jesus is going to set you free right now. And he starts praying for him. And it was just kind of this demonic thing. This guy collapses and starts writhing. And, and I'm just watching kind of in awe. All of a sudden these guys tap me on the shoulder and they're holding this young man who has like this heavy metal t-shirt. He's unconscious, all filthy. And they tell me this guy was walking outside the church. And when the youth pastor began to bind the devil, rebuke Satan, this kid who was holding groceries collapsed and started rolling around. Wow. And he's like, so we just grabbed him and brought him in. (laughs) And so they're holding him. I'm like, all right, do something to him. And so I just kind of copied what the youth pastor had done. And I'm like, hey, look at me. You know, Jesus is gonna set you free right now. And we start praying for him. He gets set free. We wow. talk to him, he accepts Christ. Come on. And now that, that was this season that we were in where it was just normal. I mean, every yeah. single day that was happening. Just the power of God. And so Mexico, Mexico wow. was like that. Yeah. When we were there. Interesting. It was just awesome.
0: After Mexico. Did you guys come back to the States for a little while to prepare to go to Spain?
1: um, We'd been there for eight years. God spoke to us to go back to the U S which I'll be honest, that was where I did not want to go. I love Mexico. That's where I grew up, you know? And and so we go back, we ended up in Denver, Colorado, uh, Mm. at a church there and we just fell in love with it. We actually, I was the missions pastor. And then we started a Spanish speaking congregation kind of within that church. And so we, we ended up being there for, About eight years. That's kind of our magic number, I guess. Honestly, I thought, okay, we'll be here forever. Because I was a missions pastor, I got to travel all over the world, you know, got to pastor, started the Spanish church. And so we thought we'd be there forever. And then God spoke to us about Spain.
0: You know, you're just saying that you were a missions pastor at a church in America. What would you say to churches that don't really have a missions program? Why should they have something like that? Why is missions important?
1: It's what we're here for. It's the Great Commission. So to me, Mm. it's kind of an oxymoron. If you're a church that doesn't have that, I mean, you've got the Great Commission, you've got Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And to me, you're leaving out at least half of that, if you're not focused on world missions. So to me, it's a matter of obedience. You know, there's a blessing. And I know it's kind of like tithing, I guess, where you could think, well, how's God going to bless when I give? And it's the same with missions. Well, we got to focus on bringing in, bringing in, bringing in when missions is going out. And thankfully, we were at a church that that believed strongly in that, believed in the blessing of God on that. And we would give kind of the minimum was 10% of what came in to the church general fund, plus above and beyond that. And it was just a non-negotiable. And to me, I would just say, man, that's, I know it may sound harsh, but that's just disobedience to what God's plan is and why we're here to ignore that.
0: No, I totally agree with you. I don't believe God created tithing for us to just feed the system of our churches so that we could have you know what we need and everybody be paid and everybody be happy in our church buildings and all the things yeah. that we have not that those things are wrong but like what you said half of the what the great commission impacts the world which is billions of people yeah. that yeah. a lot of them haven't heard the name of Jesus yeah what is the continual thrust and burden of the lord that he's given you for spain for establishing yeah. what you guys are doing there
1: Spain is, is such a different animal because it's Europe, and yet yeah. you go there, the lostness is astounding. It's less than 1%. You meet 100 people, maybe one out of 100 would say they know who Jesus is. They're a follower of Jesus. Mm. So in a lot of ways, Latin America and Mexico, man, they're experiencing revival. Spain has never experienced that. Really? Spain, Spain didn't even experience the Protestant Reformation. They, they wow. kept it out. And so you have zero backdrop of evangelical Christianity. Um, And so when I went there, I was just struck by how lost it is, even though it's not a poor country, you know, they have their issues, but it's Europe, you know, it's, it's modern, but sometimes we equate poverty with lostness. Well, there's spiritual Mm -hmm. poverty. Europe is the dark continent. Europe is difficult. And I have a friend that uh, he's from Spain. He's a missionary to the Muslim world. And he even says uh, Spaniards are harder than Muslims to reach for Christ. So that's what was struck with me. Yet what God spoke to us is that he wants to redeem Spaniards. There's something about Spaniards. They have that conquistador, you know, know, the the Philippines, they they were in the Philippines. (laughs) They went all over the world and obviously did some terrible things. But there's something about Spaniards. They have that in them. And I believe redeemed, God's going to use them around the world. So the vision God gave us was not just to go to Spain and preach the gospel, but to raise up Spaniards that will go throughout the world. That's the word he spoke to us, was that you're going to raise up a mission-sending church in Spain that will impact that region. So that's our our vision and our dream.
0: I was reading Jonah probably a month or two ago, and Jonah's, I think, one of my favorite stories of the Bible that is You know, not just a children's story, but it's a factual event. One of the things that amazed me that I never knew before reading it this last time was that when Jonah was running from the calling of God, he wanted to (laughs) flee to Tarshish.
1: And from what I
0: understand, that's Spain.
1: That's right by, they they estimate it's right by where we live. Because we live (laughs) in Valencia on the east coast of Spain. And yeah, he went the opposite direction. And even the Apostle Paul mentioned Spain twice. Yes. You know, he talks about and that was considered the end of the earth. Wow. Um, it's a strategic place that God's hand is on. And we feel like there's just going to be a breakthrough there. Yeah. And they have that conquistador DNA, but redeemed, led by the spirit. They're willing to go anywhere. We feel like God wants to use
0: that. Bro, that's amazing. What do you guys have in your heart to do? Is it planning churches in Spain? Now you're back in the States for like a year, yeah. you said. How can our uh, listeners today, you know, get behind you in prayer? How can they support what you do?
1: Yeah, We definitely feel like God wants us to start really a church planning movement. A big part of what we do is prayer. Going there the last three years, we, it was difficult. It was God kind of breaking our paradigm of how we do things. But we want to have a center right in Valencia. We live right in the heart. That would be a prayer center, uh, a bridge to the community, and that would lead then to church planting. Because uh, we're dealing with secular-minded people. And so how do you reach them? Well, they need an encounter with the power of God. They need, we need to minister to felt needs, which a lot of that's relational, mental, emotional Um, And so, yeah, our heart is to plant churches and people can can connect with us. We have a website, it's Thomas Family Spain, thomasfamilyspain.org. And on there is kind of everything about us, how you can connect with us.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I've told you this before or not. I may have, but my mom is Puerto Rican. But what we did not realize is that she's just a small percentage of the Taino tribe in Puerto Rico but that her family actually came from Tenerife and the uh, Canary yeah. Islands. Oh, and awesome. I went to Spain when I was 14 years old, uh, was not right with God. And I went on my own. I didn't really get that. I was in another country. I knew things were different, but you know, you're yeah. young and you don't know a whole lot. I just went to see family and the go to the beaches and hang out and have fun. Now, the calling that God has put on our lives, anywhere we go as missionaries, we're really on a mission. We have a sense of destiny and purpose for what God wants to do. Why do you think it is that we have this burning, this urgency in our heart to see God move, to see radical transformation, revival, awakening, even in Spain?
1: When you've tasted of it, you're hooked, for one. You know it's possible. And I just think it's the DNA of the Holy Spirit. It's the, the, the Holy Spirit is always moving out. Again, going back to Acts 1.8, the impulse of the Spirit is always out, and it's always to see breakthrough and see change. And I think it's that, I, I'll use the word, like apostolic function of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You want to go. I, the way this happened, I was in Turkey on a trip, and, and I love Turkey, man. Turkey rocked me, messed me up. Wow. And I was meeting with these workers that are there, and I'll never forget going back to my hotel room and just bawling my eyes out and begging God. I had been in Denver for like six years, wow, and I loved it; it was awesome. But I was just begging God, God, please wow. send me to some place where there isn't a church. I think it's CT Stud that said, "I have but one candle of life to burn, and I don't want it to burn in a land filled with light, but a land filled wow. with darkness." That's and that awesome. was my cry. And I think. When you get that mission's heart, that heart of God, and that impulse of the Holy Spirit, your heart just burns to see breakthrough where there's not. And you know it's possible, and and you want to go. That's what Paul would say, man. I don't want to preach where Christ has already been preached. I want to go to the hard places. It's good, bro. He would say, there's no more work here left for me. Well, I'm sure there was stuff to do, but for him, with that mission's call, it's like, I'm done here. Time to go on to the next place. You feel this magnetic draw to the difficult places.
0: What would you say to someone who's listening to us today saying, I've had this desire to do missions. I want to go out, see lives change. Where do I begin with that?
1: I always tell people, listen to me, missionaries do not go. Missionaries are sent. And there's a huge difference. If you look at Paul and Barnabas, they have their little disagreement. Barnabas left and he took John Mark. You never hear about him again. Hmm. Paul left commended by the brothers. He's got the oversight of the local church, the blessing, and the whole rest of the book of Acts is about Paul. So I would say plug into your local church, be faithful, go with the blessing of God, be sent by people. Like you mentioned spiritual fathers earlier, you need a spiritual father. You need people that will pray for you. Hmm. Otherwise you get there and uh, the honeymoon is going to end. It's yeah. going to be hard. <laughs> you know how that is. It's true. And you need prayer support. You need financial support. You got to count the cost. So I would say it, it's a process. You got to right. plug in. You got to grow in your spiritual gifts, grow in maturity, be connected with people, and be sent. Don't just go Lone Ranger.
0: Yeah. Bro, that is so good. That's such great practical wisdom. You know, we just about have a minute left. I'm going to ask you just take 30 seconds here, Ryan. And would you just exhort and maybe pray for our folks, even if you want to pray in Spanish, whatever, you know, um, but, but just go for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Father, I thank you that your heart is to reach the nations. Your heart is that every tribe and every tongue and every nation would be before your throne. That is the impulse of your spirit. And I pray that you would just fill us with your fire. Every person here, you would ignite their heart with the love of Jesus like Mm -hmm. never before that they would feel that impulse. Those that have a call and maybe they've, they've ignored it, that you would just, Lord, that they would feel that surge of the Spirit in their heart right now. Yes, Ignite us with the fire of God and that we would take that flame and spread it throughout the world. I pray in Jesus' name, we want to be a part of what you're doing on the earth, Lord, in these last days. Yes. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Man, Ryan, it's so good to see you, buddy, and to hear your voice and what God's doing. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Uh, if you want to follow up with Ryan and his ministry, we'll have his contact details in the description. God bless you, and thank you for listening today. Revival. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, rate. And write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.